This episode of Ministry Monday is sponsored by Alan Organ. Alan Organ, pioneers of digital sound technology, is celebrating 50 years since their introduction of the world's first digital church organ. Allen Genesis organs with new Apex technology combine the most advanced tone generation technology with massive memory storage and processing power, resulting in the industry's purest pipe-like sound. Apex, along with Allen's world-renowned support and longevity, sets the new standard for digital organ building. To learn more about Apex, visit allenorgan.com. From NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, this is episode 157 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at ministrymonday at npm.org. Hello and welcome to Ministry Monday. I am your host, Amanda Bruce. If you're new to the podcast, hello, we are so glad you're tuning in with us. Each week we offer a podcast episode for the church music minister on topics that seek to help you learn, grow, challenge, and inspire. If you haven't done so already, I encourage you to please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts each week. And hey, thanks for joining us. If you are listening and work in pastoral music, you most likely have encountered Tizé music in your ministry. At the very least, I am sure that most of you have sung Jesus Remember Me at some point. Tizé is known for its simple, beautiful refrains sung over an extended period of time, with its focus on allowing the messages to sink deeply into our consciousness and our spirit. Tizé music has always been a part of my personal ministry. I remember ministering at a Tizé service when I was a teenager, and truthfully, I was so focused on the technical aspects of the music that I didn't immerse myself in the spirituality of the moment and the people around me at first. But at some point, I looked up and I saw this warm glow of light and holy presence in the space that I now recognize as that which I see at a Tizé service. Tizé is a beautiful source of music, prayer, unity, and community that it seems so right to explore the depth behind our human experience with it as fellow pastoral musicians. And so this month, Ministry Monday is offering a three-part series about Tizé music. We begin the series with reflections by David Anderson, editor-at-large for GIA Publications and director of music and liturgy at Ascension Catholic Church in Oak Park, Illinois. 
David has visited Taizé, France several times and has led monthly Taizé services for years in his parish. Today, David reflects about the depth and beauty of Taizé and how you can implement its music and spirituality in your parish. Today on Ministry Monday, I'm talking with David Anderson. How are you today, David? I am doing great. You know, we're all navigating lots with uh, the various pandemics we're living through. And uh, uh, and hopefully we're at the end of the, we're seeing the end of the tunnel uh, with the pandemic. And there's a lot of hopeful things going on and a lot of things to kind of uh, navigate and kind of <laughs> you try to kind of clear up any confusion. And uh, uh, But that's our job to try to help people find their way and find their path. And God's with us all the way. So that's great. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Today, we're going to talk about Taze music and your experience with Taze overall. So I guess let's start and kind of set the stage if it's okay. Um, what are some of your earliest recollections of using Taze music? Well, I would have to say uh, my earliest recollections of Taze music would probably be NPM conventions. So hmm. NPM, uh, you know, in the early years, Bob Banastini uh, brought a lot of the music of Taze to, uh, uh, to NPM. And so as a, as a conventioneer, as an attendee, I would go to these services. And, and that was when I was really pretty young. And, um, and then I would start to, um, you know, try to do some of those songs. I would find those songs and uh, use them a little bit in the parish. But it really wasn't until I kind of went to France the first time uh, in my college years and I experienced Taizé that I really kind of put those connections together, connected, you know, NPM Taizé, uh, with the place called Taizé or the community of Taizé and then the music and the mission of Taizé. So, so it's been a really amazing thing for me as a pastoral musician to kind of kind of experience in, in all those different ways, the music of Taizé. Would you mind sharing some of your memories of the first time you went to Taizé in college? Sure, I mean, um, and it was not a, it was not a pilgrimage. Uh, the first time I went to Taizé in college, I was on a, uh, like a college choir tour and, um, and then uh, we, uh, we were performing uh, in Cluny, uh, which is you know, not very far from Taizé. And we had the opportunity to go to Taizé. Uh, some people had heard about it. They didn't know much about it. So I didn't know much about it either. So, um, so anyway, went there and just experienced kind of part of a day there and went to a couple of the prayers. And then didn't really think about it too much, but then, also, then I experienced it more at, at NPM conventions. And then I went on a, uh, a familiarization tour, you know, after I'm a choir director for a year, you know, uh, with Peter Bahu and, uh, you know, uh, so, uh, and that was a familiarization tour for choir directors in France. And we spent a whole mm. day in Tizé. And it was there that I said, I really have to come back here, number one, and spend more time. But then I really have to bring some of this music back to my community, you know, because at the time I was mostly doing all mostly hymnody and, you know, choral music and things like that. And, you know, uh, various types of other contemporary music. So, so it was interesting to bring this style of music, this very simple mantra or these repetitive songs and, and to try to introduce them. I think I introduced them first to children in the parish, children's liturgies, uh, but then they kind of started finding their way uh, kind of in Sunday liturgy, you know, in different parts of the liturgy. So, yeah, so that's my experience. And that. now they, they, they've grown so much into your parish ministry <laughs> since then, right? Yes. So, um, so over, um, yeah, about 28 years ago, 
um, um, since a long time ago, um, I decided to try to offer this monthly prayer, you know, mm -hmm. because I, and, 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 and after that, those initial visits at Tizé, I did get to go for a week, two weeks. Uh, so I saved my money <laughs> as a young pastoral musician and, uh, you know, found a way to get back to Tizé and go mm -hmm. in with groups of friends and things like that. Uh, uh, but, uh, uh, and there's always this idea of when you leave Tizé or you experience Tizé and you meet people from all over the world, you sing together and you pray together and you kind of grow and you have this ecumenical experience of, uh, of your Christian faith uh, that you sometimes you want to bring it back. You want to take those songs back. So that's a real common thing. Uh, and so I wanted to, in my local community, I wanted to bring kind of a, a, a prayer using the songs of Tizé uh, to our local community and meaning local Catholic and, you know, Catholic uh, and uh, ecumenical. And the, the town where I work uh, in Oak Park, Illinois is a very ecumenical inter, interfaith uh, kind of minded community. So they have a lot of, um, there's, there were a lot of seeds in place, a lot of things in place. So our parish became this monthly place for a uh, service. So, so for over, uh, over 27 years now, we've been offering a prayer on the first Friday. Uh, we had not stopped until the pandemic. And mm. uh, a few months into the pandemic, we started trying to do recorded services uh, with some brave souls singing, you know, <laughs> 20 yeah. feet apart. <laughs> so like uh, but, uh, but for, uh, yeah, for, so for 28 years, uh, you know, it really took off. And, uh, you know, so, you know, at our height, you know, we'd get like six, 800 people on a first Friday at church. And, uh, wow. and, uh, and uh, so very diverse. In some months, it's three or 400. It just kind of goes up and down. And also in the Chicagoland area over the years, I've kind of helped and a few colleagues. We've uh, started uh, other prayers at other, uh, you know, Catholic and Protestant churches. So it's kind of, so people have other opportunities. It's not just one prayer in Oak Park, but, but Oak Park is still remains a kind of a big prayer. My real inspiration was, uh, I remember when I was um, in late 20s or something, I saved money to fly to California because Sister Suzanne Tulin mm. uh, has for many, many years done a first, I think it's first Friday, they do a prayer around the cross in their mm. motherhouse chapel in Burlingame, mm -hmm. California. And I remember saving money to go to that. And all I did is I landed, I got there, I went to the prayer, I talked to sister, I left the next day. You know what wow. I mean? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't even, I didn't go anywhere else. I just went to Burlington, <laughs> you know. So that was very funny. But I went to experience what somebody else had done. So she was a real kind of, that was a nice model. And, uh, you know, so anyway, so that's what we've done over the years. It's really become kind of this real outreach um, and not that we're trying to make any Catholics, but a number of people have been coming to had been coming to Ascension for so many years that they got interested in Catholicism, even though wow. Tese is not a Catholic prayer or anything like that, but it's truly mm -hmm. ecumenical. So we've had some nice connections um, uh, with the various uh, Catholic and Protestant communities in the area and beyond. We've had a lot of college students come, uh, you know, uh, uh, evangelical students from Wheaton College and mm -hmm. DePaul, students from DePaul from various Catholic universities universities so they'll come in large groups you know uh, it just depends on the month so it's been a real gift to this local community to provide a place and a space you know to sing and pray and experience Christ in community and to really kind of uh, deepen kind of our contemplative practice you know through silence and the singing of these chants which are essentially mantras for the most part you know what I mean Right. So, and that's, you know, and that really resonates, I think, with a lot of contemporary uh, spirituality hungers as we kind of tap into contemplative practice in a busy world. So, and I, I think people kind of like that. So, 
long answer. <laughs> no, that's great. It's a great answer. And I'm so glad you said that too. I wrote down, you know, a combination of silence and mantras, yeah. or at least I understand what you're saying with that, sure. those small, simple refrains. And last month on the podcast, I spoke to Father James Martin about his new book about prayer. And mm -hmm. he talked about silence as well as spoken prayer in other ways for dialogue in finding our spiritual faith. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, you just alluded to it, but how important is providing silence or pockets of silence and contemplation in the midst of the Tizay music? Well, I mean, I would say that, especially if you go to Tizay, if you spend, uh, you know, most people, they, the brothers ask that you spend a week there, you give it a week. You don't just go for three days, you know, so they really like, ideally, and it's really geared toward, it's people of all ages, but I mean, they really target um, that 18 to 30 year old demographic. They're really, uh, uh, they're really trying to provide a, a place of encounter for young adults, really. And they have younger groups come, you know, especially from Europe, confirmation groups, 15, 16 year olds. Mm. And then people, you know, over 30, you know, they, they accommodate that. But, uh, but people are hungry for silence and the, you know, and there's so many, uh, prayer practices, meditation practices, you can talk about the Jesus prayer, you can talk about centering prayer, you can talk about, you know, Christian meditation, Lawrence Freeman, uh, you know, the different uh, teachers, uh, books on books by Merton, uh, James Finley, uh, Cynthia Bourgeau, you know, there are a lot of women and uh, men uh, authors that are writing on contemplative practice. But uh, I, I would say, I think uh, at Taze and at the heart of any Taze prayer service, it, it kind of builds to the silence in some ways, I think. Because in the center, uh, three times a day at, at the church in Taze, the Church of the Reconciliation, in the middle of every service, there's really about eight to 10 minutes of silence. Wow. It's, it's closer to 10. And, um, and, and the brothers make a real strong point not to teach a method. They don't want the young people to say, you must learn how to do centering prayer, or you must learn how to do the Jesus prayer. The brothers are very gentle. Uh, and I think as Catholic liturgists and musicians, we have to be very gentle, just like we try to uh, encourage all kinds of music. We try to just put it out there. Uh, we don't try to over explain it. Uh, but the brothers are very sensitive to the, the different personalities and the different ways that people, the different ways that God works within us. You know what I mean? So I really don't have to know the four steps of centering prayer. I don't really have to be a Jesus, you know what I mean? Uh, but I mean, all those things are great. And, um, and James Martin would also say all those things are great. But, um, but it's really about this, you're providing this space, you know what I mean? And to let God speak within, you know, the spirit groans, you know, these, these, these words that we don't understand, we don't know how to pray. But if we just sit in silence and, you know, just try to open our hearts to God and see what God will do, I, I think that's great. You know, there's that reaching out, you know, you can use all kinds of metaphors. And a lot of those meditation practice, meta, uh, you know, uh, practices really just use some metaphors to help us be present, you know, to go deeper within. What does all that mean? Those are just metaphors to help us slow down, stop, and be awakened. Even the word awake, you know what I mean? So I think I think those are great things. And I, I think it reminds us as Catholic liturgists, we have all those places in the liturgy that are that call for silence that we're just afraid of every Sunday. You know, so are we really taking at least 30 seconds after each reading to have some silence in the space? Uh, the real hard one, which is such a missed opportunity, is that silence after communion. But we really have to kind of gently teach our people and continually 
cue people in on what's going on. You know what I mean? So, and then now with COVID, <laughs> you know, we're trying to get out in under an hour and, you know, you know, <laughs> you know we're still trying to do our silence, but oh my gosh, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Oh my goodness. Uh, you know, it's just, so just, I think people don't always realize they're hungry for silence. Um, I think people know they're very rushed and this has been the kind of the kind of the phrase for many decades now. We're just kind of over, we're, we're just kind of overstimulated, you know what I mean? Yes. Uh, you know, addicted to our phones or devices, all of that stuff. So to just sit still, you know, so, so I'd, I'd say the silence is really the most important piece. I, I mean, the communal singing, of course, but that merger, that blend of a little bit of scripture, uh, the communal singing, uh, the repetitive singing, allowing the songs to go from your head to your heart, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, it's really that head to heart uh, movement, you know, which is also, a, you know, kind of a, another metaphor to go deeper within. And you think of the rosary, you think of other practices, you know, they're, they're just all to kind of still us, to kind of, uh, to let us be more open, to be more awake, more attentive. So yeah, silence is key in the Tizay service. I'll go to, I'll visit other places and they'll do like two minutes or they'll do like a minute after every chant. And they never quite realize that the brothers have always called for one big chunk of silence <laughs> kind mm -hmm. of in the middle of the service. And mm -hmm. it, it, it's amazing to be around 2000 young adults and people of all ages and just have this profound silence. Everybody's sitting on the floor, some people on benches on the sides, depending on your physical you know, capacities and things like that. So uh, yeah, no, silence is uh, important. Other than the silence that you just described, to someone who's listening who has not visited Tizay, what are some of the other things that you remember and some of the most powerful things that impacted you there? Yeah, so I would say in the US and a lot of the world, a lot of us just know Tizay songs. And mm -hmm. I would really encourage anybody listening to, or if anybody's interested in kind of welcoming this type of prayer uh, experience in your parish or community to just, uh, Kind of delve a little more deeply into kind of the mission of Teze or the community itself. And so I always send people to the, the Teze website and the brothers do amazing things. And, uh, uh, but it's really about uh, people coming together from different Christian traditions and celebrating life together and celebrating faith. And uh, it's not so much about building Christian unity uh, but discovering Christian unity. It's already there. You know, we're baptized sisters and brothers in Christ. And we have lots, we have a lot more in common than we have apart. And I think by having a community of brothers, uh, over a hundred brothers, where, you know, half of them are Catholic and half of them are from various Protestant and Christian Orthodox traditions, plus 28 nations or so, you know, these men all living this kind of what they like to call a parable of communion or a parable of community, you could say. And then trying to find a way to pray together, trying to find a way to be very provisional and realize that, hey, right now we have to pray this way. And I think a lot of us as pastoral liturgists and musicians have had to learn to pray in new ways this year. But today always reminded me that, you know, they prayed a certain way 50 years ago. You know, they were founded in 1940. In, in you know late 50s early 60s all the young people started coming to Teze that's when the songs had to be composed because the way the brothers prayed very traditional monastic type uh, 
prayer, trying to honor Catholic and Protestant, trying to be this thing that had never existed, this ecumenical community. Uh, you know, but they had to adapt and they had to find new ways to pray to meet the need of the day. And so, uh, and, and I think that's what we all have to do too. All of us is, or, you know, if we're trained, I, you know, I'm a trained organist, but, you know, I have to, I have to broaden my, uh, you know, I have to learn to pray, play different styles. And some styles I'm not very comfortable playing in. You know, I'd much rather be more classical or more traditional hymnody maybe. Uh, but, you know, it's just always a stretch. And I think the brothers always, in today showed that the most important thing is, is meeting people, celebrating life together in Christ, not apologizing for Jesus, not trying to be a big interfaith thing, but truly ecumenical Christian, bringing Christians together. And then you're gonna go back, what are you gonna do? How are you gonna live your faith? And all of that is helped by the songs and all of that is helped by the silence, but by living together and eating simple meals and reminding that life, to have a beautiful life, you don't have to have a whole lot, you know what I mean? So the songs are simple. You go to Teze, the food you might say is terrible or very simple, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you go to Teze, it's like camping, you know? You really can't live on that food for three weeks, four weeks. There's not a lot of salad served at Teze. You know, it's a lot of carbs, <laughs> but you're there for a week. It's it's so simple, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and then you go back and you realize, wow, my, my life is pretty packed. My life mm. is pretty overloaded. My life is pretty full uh, in probably not the best ways of having a full life. So I need to make space for a fuller life. And uh, so I think that's the thing to learn about Teze, but that call to ecumenical unity, that call to uh, sisterhood and brotherhood. And the songs are the vehicle. You know, the brothers always mm -hmm. say uh, the prayer that they do three times a day, they refer to it as a very poor prayer. It's a poor prayer. There's a poverty about the prayer. And Catholics could say, wow, you know, we have a very poor <laughs> liturgy too. You know, we use, uh, we use bread that doesn't really look like bread. It's a very sim it's the simplest of breads you can imagine, unless your community is really committed to baking bread for the Eucharist and things that are all appropriate. And, you know, there are various rules for all of that. Um, but, uh, you know, I've, I've learned a lot from the community, the Tizay community over the years and uh, in my friendships with some of the brothers in particular, uh, just, you know, that idea of what do we need for now? What do we need to uh, encounter God and move forward now with what we have? What do we need? What do we not need? So yeah, so that's good. Lots of stuff to think about. <laughs> I've heard that phrase too in the last year where of course COVID and the, the quarantine that happened in many cities after that really made people step back and re-examine how packed their life is. And so, you know, I, I love the idea of making sure that as we move forward out of COVID into our, I don't want to say normal world, because who knows what that means, but whatever the next steps are, that maybe we are more intentional and stripped back in what we, you know, can do in our lives. And again, also not just for a practical standpoint, but also maybe for a spiritual standpoint, so that especially we as music ministers are not overscheduled and overpacked so that we, and I'll just speak for myself, that I don't um, miss the sacred among me that, that sits around me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think I, I um, you said miss the sacred? Is mm -hmm. that what you said? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Because I think, um, I think a real important lesson, at least for me personally, is if you talk about getting back to some sense of normal, Okay. 
and we know it'll be a new normal, it'll be a different kind of normal, and that's all good. But I, I think for me, the real lesson is, is we don't have to bring everything back. Mm -hmm. We don't, there's some stuff we can leave behind, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And uh, it's been kind of interesting at my parish. I mean, this has nothing to do with Taizé, but we, <laughs> we've had three months of in-person Taizé now. So people are slowly coming back. We only have about a hundred people coming, you know, um, in our space at, at different times, you know, we were allowing 125. So I think we're up to 150. And now with the latest CDC, we're kind of moving up to three, we'll be moving in a couple of weeks up to 350, whatever. Uh, but, um, but the one thing that I think a lot of people have learned is uh, we, we, we don't have to go back, but, uh, but one thing is, um, you know, just greeting people. Uh, you know, we have this welcome team. We struggled for years with how to greet people before mass, all of this, you know what I mean? And now we have this whole team of people that are sanitizing hands and checking off names, you know, on a clipboard, but they're getting to know people. And so, you know, it's really, it's been kind of a blessing. And, uh, and I really think uh, we've even said in my local parish here, because we have like five entrances to our church. I mean, mm. and we've thought, you know, when we're fully open, we should just really train people to just enter through the main door so that they can be properly greeted, you know, because mm. we always struggle to have all these greeters at multiple doors. So this is a very practical, simple thing at my parish, you know. Um, but we, through this necessity of checking people in and through the struggles over the years, sure, we have ushers, we have greeters, but, you know, those kind of go up and down, you know how that is, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's just been interesting to kind of get a few lessons or to acknowledge the, a few of the lessons we've learned from this time together, so. My last question for you is, let's say someone's listening to this podcast and they're familiar with Tizay music. They, they know Jesus, remember me, and maybe a few more, but they don't have a regular standing Tizay offering in their parish community. And maybe they're interested in doing something like that. How does one start? Well, I, I would say that's, and that's a great question. If you really want to get Catholics and Protestants together, let's just say that. Uh, then, uh, you know, you probably have a meeting and do a little study and learn a little more about the Taizé community. So learn about the community, have kind of a, this, this, because uh, it's, it's so strong in Vatican II, all of our ecumenical uh, documents and are, are all about bringing us back together, calling us to oneness, calling us to unity. So get a few folks that care about that and might have a, uh, might be able to expand their vision. And then be mindful of uh, what Teze songs you might wanna sing or what do you already sing in your community? Cause you don't have to start from scratch. And then kind of decide to come up with some type of prayer experience where you can invite people from the area to come. And don't be worried about large or small. Don't be worried about lots of people, uh, but really kind of study what the prayer, uh, what the brothers try to do try to learn from those around you. I mean, I mean, I go to different Taizé style services and sometimes they don't feel very much like a Taizé service or, or you know, somebody gave me a Taizé program recently. They said, oh, we went to Taizé in Colorado, let's say. And I looked at the program, there was not one Taizé song on this program. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was like, well, I, I don't know how much that's a Taizé service. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. I mean, there was, there might have been one, I don't know, but uh, most of it was like other refrains and nothing wrong with that, okay? Uh, you know, that's not a big judgment because the brothers kind of incorporate other music too. Most of the music that is sung at today is written by Berthier uh, or, or brother composers in the community, especially mm -hmm. in the recent years since Berthier died mm -hmm. a number of years ago. Right. But um, so anyway, but you know, just kind of educate yourself, go to the website, Tizé, uh, the brothers uh, give nice guidelines. Um, 
you know, GIA uh, publications uh, really has distributes all the Teze resources. You know, there's a, there's a book called Prayer for Each Day. Um, but the Teze website and through that and GIA, there are recordings. You can learn how to actually, as a practicing musician, you can learn how to navigate this. It's very improvisational and it's very different than Sunday liturgy. I have a lot of friends. You just have to really kind of take those, move those rules over for a little bit. It's not so much about animating every chant. It's very different than cantering at liturgy, you know, at, mm. at Eucharist. So, so I would just encourage people to study and to ask questions and to give it a go, see what happens and, and use a few Taizé songs. <laughs> but, but if you, you know, three, four, five, you don't need, you don't need eight or nine Taizé songs. A Taizé mm. style service can be 30 minutes, it can be 60 minutes. Uh, you know, it can be very simple, you know, uh, but the components are the songs, a scripture reading, silence, and then prayers for the world, intercessory prayer. I mean, so it, it's so it's singing the songs, it's hearing a little bit of scripture, letting God's word take root, and it's allowing for silence and, of course, interceding uh, for all the needs of the world. So that's the basic, you know, there are basic, um, you know, basic outlines for that. All that's published too. You can find all that. So, but that's what I'd say. But don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. There's a lot of us, especially pastoral musicians. We, you know, we're in charge of everything and. Uh, and sometimes we just have to say, I can't do all this. I need a little help. And right. then it could be choir members. It could be, right. it could be a few people. So find the people that love to pray and say, can you help me with this? Or can we do this together? So that's what I would suggest. Take a little time to learn and then take a little time to pray with others and see what happens. And so, so that's great. Great thoughts for us to think about. Great, great things. Also for people also who, like I said, may know Tizé, but maybe haven't experienced a Tizé service. Um, thank you so much for sharing your experience, your knowledge on Tizé. I'm so thrilled that we get to start the series this way. It really was a great start. So thank you again for your time today. And thank you for all you do for ministry. Well, and thank you, Amanda, for all you do. And, uh, and God bless everybody. Keep singing, everybody, as best we can, even if we have to do it quietly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's coming back. It's coming back. So. That's right. That's Sing right. Song, so. Amen. Amen. Thank Amen. you. Thanks so much to David for his time today. For more information about Taze, visit the show notes of this episode at ministrymonday.org and join us next week as we continue the conversation about Taze, as we are joined by Brother John Glassnap of the St. Meinrad Arch Abbey. The recording of Confitemini Domino was produced by GIA Publications. And the theme music of this episode was produced by Aaron Schaus. Today's episode of Ministry Monday was produced by me, Amanda Bruce. That's it for today. With the Spirit's gifts empowering us for the work of ministry, thanks for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Monday. <laughs>